It is really good to be here in this place and be together. Just a reminder, if you're newer with us, I would love to get an opportunity uh, to meet you after the service. Well, we've been in a series on prayer, and we've called it Teach Us to Pray for good reason. That's what the disciples ask of Jesus, teach us to pray. It's not simply teach me, myself, and I to pray, but teach us to pray. We spent three weeks in Jesus' prayer that he taught them, the Lord's Prayer, and we, we, we talked about that vertical relationship with God, that we can come to God as our Father. Hallowed be thy name in awe, and in intimacy as my Abba Father, as my Dada. And that, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven so that vertical relationship with God would extend out into our daily needs, our daily bread, our, our asking for forgiveness and deliverance from temptation on a daily basis. Well, today... We're going to dive into John 17, and I've given you some challenges over this series. First of all, it's to start every day with prayer. That's an important thing. Set your mind right in the morning. Start your day with prayer. Pray aloud with somebody. That's okay to do. That's a good thing to do. We're actually going to get to practice that later. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to speak in church. Don't worry. And then finally, to pray uh, with and for your church family. We had the opportunity to do that last week. Uh, as I look to my left and your right, I see our brother Mark, who's back from the Ukraine. Let's give him a hand. <clears throat> Mark, you don't know this, but you gave us real-time text updates. And we were able to pray, uh, especially at the 11 o'clock service last week. I got a text right as I was coming out, and we were able to pray specifically for you. Mark got back last night, so we won't, we won't make him share his story today, but uh, I do look forward to seeing what God has for him. So we want to be a church through praise together, amen? So there's a couple opportunities for that. You've got uh, all kinds of ways you can pray. You can, you can connect online and share requests, um, but also we've, we've created a couple opportunities for you to pray uh, really for the needs of our church and uh, for our services. So we have Wednesday at 4 o'clock, and then we've added another time Sunday at 8.55 a.m. So love to have more and more of us pray together for our church. Prayer makes a difference. Amen? Well, we're in John 17 today, and John 17 in many ways is a sending off prayer. It is a sending off prayer. Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. His disciples are with him. They they can't quite process it all. They haven't put it all together. He's told them what is going to happen. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. I'm going to go away. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a good thing. But in this world, you're going to have trouble. Don't worry, I've overcome the world. So he's given them these words. It is a prayer of sending off. 
I had the opportunity yesterday to attend my youngest son's college graduation. It was a sending off time. It was a glorious time, although halfway through the ceremony, it was bright and sunny, and then the rain came. So we went from outside to inside, which hadn't happened in 30 years when I was sitting in the same chairs and at the same school, which is kind of interesting. But Kim and I went to the baccalaureate service. Okay, this is a smaller bar. It's college, and it was founded to train teachers and preachers. But over the years, it's, it's lost much of that emphasis, and it's a thoroughly secular school, great school, love the school. But I went to the baccalaureate service, and it was really interesting because I'm like, how are they going to handle these things? How are they going to preach? What are they going to sing? And it was really interesting. We sang, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You know, some of you know the hymn. You grew up in church. You know that hymn. But they, they revised a line in the song. Instead of saying, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, the words in the, in the bulletin were, God over all and blessed eternally. Now, I sang it the way it was supposed to be in protest. Not very loud, because I don't sing that well. But what I observed in that, and again, I'm not ripping, I love the school, I, I love what they're trying to do, I understand the, the challenge but they're making that vertical relationship with a specific understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, and who the Holy Spirit is. They're making that fuzzy. They're making that fuzzy. And I get it. I understand the culture. You know, the, 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 the pastor who had a bunch of letters after his name, they flew him in from Ireland. They could have just asked me. I'd have given him a word and just driven an hour away. <clears throat> I don't have enough letters behind my name for that. But the message was basically the golden rule. Quoted from Matthew, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But in that message, there's no, there's no power. It's just go do these things. Work really hard to be good and love your neighbor, which is a great message. Sacrifice. The world right now is a mess. I didn't even know about the shooting last night, and I look at the news, and another hateful, awful thing. And the message was good. I mean, live, live sacrificially. Don't waste, don't squander your education. Love your neighbor as yourself. But I kept asking, where is the power in that? We can't just modify our behavior. We need something deeper. Well, let's get to the prayer. I'm going to read from John 17. And I'm going to read a lengthy passage, but we're only going to focus on a few verses. There was one pastor who actually did a series on all 26 verses, a 26-week-long series on John 17. We're not going to do that. We're going to give you a couple messages, but I want to read the first several verses of this prayer. John 17, verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world... I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher this morning. May my words be true and helpful, acceptable, and may they bring you glory and honor. Burn off whatever doesn't do those things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. There is a dilemma All right. There's a dilemma in the passage. Did you see it? There's a dilemma, there's a reality in the passage. Who we are is not of the world. Who we are is not of the world. But, a big but, but what God God calls us to do is in the world and for the world. Let me say that again. Who we are is not of the world, but what God calls us to do is in the world and for the world. That is the space in which we live our lives. That is the space in which your kids and grandkids live their lives. And Jesus is going to teach us how to pray through that, through his word this morning. Are you with me? Let's go. Reality number one, who we are is not of the world. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. 
Let's understand that. Let's deepen our understanding of that for a moment. First of all, what is the world? What is the world? It's a system. It's a worldview. It's a way of thinking. It's the water we swim in. It's what seems to be natural in our world without Christ at the center, without a belief that the Bible is true. It is the world. Paul says it this way in Romans 12. Well, first of all, Jesus says they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. But Paul says in Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing in perfect will. Can I be really frank this morning about the pattern of this world? Let's talk about the patterns of this world for a moment. I had the opportunity, conversation with a uh, family member who teaches in a, uh, a large, large public school in a different city. And... Um, she has fifth graders. And I'm going to say some things, and some of you may be, I am shocked by that. Others of you may say, oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. So spoiler alert, fair warning. But she said this, she says, you know, I teach, I teach fifth grade, and um, I'm required to uh, have a basket of condoms on the teacher's desk and show people how to use them, and I'm required to show a gender identity video that features, it's an animated deal where kids will walk in as a boy and come out as a girl in a, in a dressing room, different clothes, different names, and all that. I'm going to pause right here. My intent is not to create any fear. It's not to bash public schools. I love the public school. I taught for 14 years in the public school. I am for all schools. It's hard being a parent. It's really hard being a teacher. It's hard being a kid. We need believers in all spaces to represent Christ well. But this was their reality. And there was a, 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 a sexual ethic and an understanding of gender identity that run, runs counter to Scripture, which did not surprise me. It didn't surprise me. But this is what surprise me. In that gender identity video, what would happen, the kids would walk out of the dressing room and as they got their new identity, this is all animated, there was a, a, a picture of an Instagram posting. And as they discovered who they truly were, the likes went up. The likes went up. So this is the pattern of this world that my identity is determined by what I choose and how others approve of me and like me. That's the pattern underneath the pattern. 
And that's not just in big public schools. I, I think that's the water we swim in a little bit. Now, I say that not to, not to cause fear, not to bash anybody, not to oversimplify things that are nuanced and complex and all that, but I, I want you to see the pattern of this world. Now, how do we, how do, we do that? I mean, we can rant and rave and do all that. But I believe that we are not of this world. We're called to adopt a different way of thinking and present a more compelling and more beautiful understanding of identity. That's what I believe we're called to do. And I want to show you how Jesus helps us with that. But as I think about those fifth graders hearing that, and I think of the weight and the burden and the responsibility of a fifth grader, that the weight is on you, and whether you're right or not depends on how many people click your Instagram post, it breaks my heart. Now, the good news is Jesus gives us so much more. In contrast, Jesus says in John 17, 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Who has the right to name you? The one who created you. The one who saved you. The one who gave you life, the one who chose you. Now, what's the prayer here? Verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world. I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, there's a lot of um, really deep theology here. That if I were going to take 26 weeks on John 17, we could get into a little bit more, but I want to go high level for just a minute. To be sanctified is to be set apart, is to be made more holy, to be more like Christ. There's a process, and some are saying, well, how can Jesus be sanctified? Jesus is without sin. Jesus didn't have to get better. Jesus didn't have to clean up his act. Jesus didn't have to confess. One of the things about the Lord's Prayer, Jesus would not have prayed that prayer because he didn't need to ask for forgiveness. But for Jesus to be sanctified is to be set apart and to be obedient to his Father's will. So that we might be sanctified. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's an understanding we need to have. And that is very specific if we're going to talk about our identity being in Christ. Now, part of the cultural water we swim in today is identity is really, really important. 
I think there was a day, I don't know when that day was, but you just kind of grew up and you worked really hard and you didn't have time to think about all these things. You just went to work and you tried to stay alive. We're not in Kansas anymore. We have a lot of time to think we are bombarded by information. It's all the more critical that we have a crystal clear understanding of who we are in Christ. So I want to give you some scriptures, and I've abbreviated them just to give you the key concept. They're all in the notes on the app if you want to go there and get them. But I want to give you these promises. First of all, you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away, the new has come. Your true citizenship is in heaven. Your true citizenship is in heaven. You are a child of God. You're not. When you put your faith and your trust in Christ, that's when you take on that identity. You are God's workmanship. You are a part of God's family. You are a part of the body of Christ. That's what we're called to live out. That's our identity. May we be a people who shares that hope for ourselves, for our families, for the next generation, that this is who we are. You belong. You belong. Now, the second reality is this. What we do is in this world. You have been given an assignment from God for our time, place, and culture. I want you to consider that for a moment. You could have been born, I could have been born, we could have been born in a lot of different times and places. We could have been born in the dark ages. And standing up for our faith might have been picking up a sword to defend our land from the Vikings. You could have been born in the first century. You could have been a Roman citizen where to say Jesus is Lord is to say that Caesar is not. And it's to risk your life. But we live in this curious time that's post-everything, that's post-modern, that in many ways is post-Christian, that is, I'd like to say post-pandemic, but I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) Time will tell. But how do we find our identity, not of the world, but in Christ, but to embrace our assignment in this world. Jesus says in verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That's the reality. When I hear difficult things, and I got a little grandbaby that's going to grow up, and I, you know, there's part of me that says, what kind of world is she going to go into? Well, I can't take her out of the world. (laughs) 
I can't hide her. I can't put my arms around her and say, you will not face any trouble. No generation has ever been able to do that. So we better pray them up and we better prepare them. Now, let me share a couple scriptures with you that I think will help us in our thinking about our assignment. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Jesus says, my prayer is not that you take them, he's talking about the 11, but by extension it's us, that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So he invites us to pray for protection and preparation. Jesus doesn't say, take them out of the world, shield them from anything that could hurt their feelings or make life tough. But we're going to pray. The reality is your life will be hard and painful. God put you here at this time and in this place. You are not alone. You can experience joy. You know that first song we sang today, Blessed Be Your Name? I love that song. I loved that song when I was going through chemotherapy with cancer and having surgery and doing all those things lots and lots of years ago. Beth Redman, who wrote that song, wrote it in the wake of having a miscarriage. Blessed be your name when there is pain in the offering. I can experience pain and say blessed be your name and have joy at the same time. Jesus says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, let me give you some practical ways to, to pray. We need two things. Well, we need more than two things, but we need a couple. We need the Word, and we need the Holy Spirit. Amen? We start with God's word, and we need the Holy Spirit. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 6. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's the battle. It's a spiritual battle. So we need spiritual means. We need prayer. And he says this, take up the helmet of salvation. What does a helmet protect? Your brain, your thinking your mind, your thoughts, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. At our men's gathering uh, a couple Saturdays ago, Tony, the great 
preacher Tony Evans said this. He says, the Holy Spirit is like a dimmer switch. It's like an internal dimmer switch that turns up the light of God's word and allows you to apply it specifically. Just because we have the word and just because we start with the word doesn't mean we always apply it correctly. Do a little history and you'll see. But what the Spirit does is points us. The psalmist says, your your, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So it's the lamp that keeps me from stepping in stuff I shouldn't right in front of me. And it's a, a light that helps guide me down the path. But we need the Spirit to help us in that process. Now let me give you one more verse. Let me take you to John 14, 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So as you navigate being not of the world, but in the world, what does that look like for you today? And how do we pray through that? How do we actually pray in a way that we say, God, I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am in Christ. I know who you have created me to be. I am not of the world. At the same time, you have called me, you have equipped me, you have prepared me, you have chosen me for such a time as this, just like Esther back in the day, for a specific purpose. To be in the world, not pulled out of the world, but to be in the world and for the world. Jesus ends that prayer by saying, just as my Father sent me, so I am sending you into the world. As we pray, we pray for protection and we pray for preparation. Without God's word, I just have a fuzzy understanding of who God is. I have a generic, nebulous, I don't want to offend anybody understanding of a generic God. But the Word tells us that we have a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. I don't understand that perfectly. I'm not God. But I know that it's true. And He's given us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to be inside of us, to be our internal dimmer switch, to say, I've called you here now. This is how you apply my word to see and share the hope of Jesus today. That, my friends, is what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Now, as you've listened to these words, as you've reflected and maybe you've said, you know, maybe I, I, I tend to lean this way. 
I tend to be shaped by culture a little too much. I tend to be of the world a little too much. I tend to compromise a little too much. I allow too much influence. Anybody been there? Or maybe you're on the other side and you're like, you know what? I just want to be, I just want, I, I want to be so isolated. It's really hard for me. I know there's some parents out there and you just want to protect. And the prayer may be, it's, Jesus, I know they're going to experience some pain. I know they're going to experience some hurt. But Jesus is saying, I've, I've overcome the world. Maybe that prayer for you is to say, I need to be, accept the assignment that I've been given. I don't say I got to do this, but I get to do this. I get to be God's workmanship and do what he's called me to do in this world at this time right now. Friends, we've got a great opportunity to share the hope of Jesus right now. Because the world is short on hope right now. And we have the real thing. So God may need to do a work in me and you and us to to be more of his ambassadors. To take that risk. And to pray for protection, pray for preparation. But to embrace our calling in this world for this world. Now, we've heard God's word. We've... Hopefully, you've got some, some of that in your mind, and you're beginning to think about, how do I apply this in my week? Well, I'm going to take you a step further today. We're going to pray together, and we're going to pray Scripture. I don't know of a better thing to do than to actually pray based on the Word of God. So I want to invite you to stand, if you're able. If you're not able to stand, that's, that's fine. I want us to pray this prayer of sanctification, a prayer that helps us understand that our identity is not of this world, but we are called to live and represent Christ in this world. So would you say this prayer with me? Father, show me who I am in Christ. Remind me that I am your child. Remind me that I am a new creation in Christ. Remind me that my true citizenship is in heaven. Remind me that I am your workmanship. Remind me that I belong to your family. Lord, we confess our disobedience to you and your word. We confess our self-centeredness and our self-reliance. We confess our indifference and our apathy towards the broken and the vulnerable. We confess our failure to love those who disagree with us. We confess our hypocrisy. Lord, we ask for your strength and your protection. Help us to find joy in and growth from our trials. Help us to find joy in the assignments you have given to each one of us. Help us to align our hearts with your heart. Protect us, Father, through the power of your name from the evil one who seeks to steal and kill and destroy. 
May your word be our light and our lamp. May your Holy Spirit be our helper and our guide. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Please be seated. As we've prayed together, as we've confessed at some level, we've examined our hearts. Now we have the opportunity to come to the communion table together. And when we, we come to the table here at Community Church, our table is open to all who believe, all who have put their faith and their trust in Christ. If you haven't done that, you can do that today. You can do that today and receive with us. You can simply say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You don't have to have it all figured out. You can still have questions, you can still have doubts, but you're invited to put your faith and your trust in Christ and join the family. So we're reminded that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples in the upper room And after he broke the bread and after giving thanks, he said, this is my body given for you. This is my body broken for you, the forgiveness of your sins. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of Jesus. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup represents my blood, blood that is shed for the forgiveness of sins, blood that represents the new covenant, the new promise. You don't have to offer a sacrifice. You don't have to clean everything up. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. So just as we receive the bread, may we now receive the cup together. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to you, we come in gratitude for what you have done for us through the sacrifice of your son. We're thankful that we can actually live a life with you, that we have your word and we have your spirit to guide us. Open up our hearts to receive open up our minds to obey. We want to see and share your hope. And we need your help to do that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.